0: chapter 46 a visy pope and joy this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by nicholas clifford isy pope and joy by Antony trollope chapter 46 lady sarah's mission towards the end of june the family at crosshall were in great perturbation in the first place, it had now been settled that they were to go back to the great house early in July. This might have been a source of unalloyed gratification. The old Marchioness had been made very unhappy by the change to Cross Hall, and had persisted in calling her new home a wretched farmhouse. Both Lady Susanna and Lady Amelia were quite alive to the advantages of the great mansion. Lord George had felt that his position in the county had been very much injured by recent events. This might partly have come from his residence in London, but had no doubt been chiefly owing to the loss of influence arising from the late migration. He was glad enough to go back again. But Lady Sarah was strongly opposed to the new movement. I don't think that mamma should be made liable to be turned out again, she had said to her brother and sisters. But mamma is particularly anxious to go, Amelia had replied. You can't expect mamma to think correctly about Brotherton, said Lady Sarah. He is vicious and fickle, and I do not like to feel that any of us should be in his power. But Lady Sarah, who had never been on good terms with her elder brother, was overruled, and everybody knew that in July the family was to return to Manor Cross. Then there came tidings from London, unauthorized tidings, and, one may say, undignified tidings, but still tidings which were received with interest. Mrs. Toff had connections with Scumbergs, and had heard through these connections that things at Scumbergs were not going on in a happy way. Mrs. Toff's correspondent declared that the Marquis had hardly been out of his bed since he had been knocked into the fireplace. Mrs. Toff, who had never loved the dean, and had never approved of that alliance, perhaps made the most of this— but the report, which was first made to the Dowager herself, caused very great uneasiness. The old lady said that she must go up to London herself to nurse her son. Then a letter was written by Lady Amelia to her brother, asking for true information. This was the answer which Lady Amelia received: Dear A. I'm pretty well, thank you. Don't trouble yourselves. Yours, B. I'm sure he's dying, said the Marchioness, and he's too noble-hearted to speak of his sufferings. Nevertheless, she felt that she did not dare go up to Scumberg's just at present. Then there came further tidings. Mrs Toff was told that the Italian Marchioness had gone away, and had taken Popenjoy with her. There was not anything necessarily singular in this. When a gentleman is going abroad with his family, he and his family need not as a matter of course travel together. Lord Brotherton had declared his purpose of returning to Italy, and there could be no reason why his wife, with the nurses and the august Popenjoy, should not go before him. It was just such an arrangement as such a man as Lord Brotherton would certainly make. But Mrs. Toff was sure that there was much more in it than this. The Italian marchioness had gone off very suddenly, there had been no grand packing-up, but there had been some very angry words and popenjoy when he was taken away was supposed to be in a very poor condition of health all this created renewed doubts in the mind of lord george or perhaps renewed hopes perhaps after all popenjoy was not popenjoy and even if he were it seemed that every one concurred in thinking that the poor boy would die Surely the Marquis would not have allowed a sick child to be carried away by an indiscreet Italian mother if he cared much for the sick child. But then Lord George had no real knowledge of these transactions. All this had come through Mrs. Toff, and he was hardly able to rely upon Mrs. Toff. Could he have communicated with the Dean, the Dean would soon have found out the truth. The Dean would have flown up to London, and have known all about it in a couple of hours, but Lord George was not active and clever as the dean. Then he wrote a letter to his brother, as follows. My dear Brotherton, we have heard through Mr Knox that you wish us to move to Manor Cross at once, and we are preparing to do so. It is very kind of you to let us have the house, as Cross Hall is not all that my mother likes, and as there would hardly be room for us should my wife have children. I ought perhaps to have told you sooner that she is in the family way. We hear, too, that you are thinking of starting for Italy very soon, and that the Marchioness and Popenjoy have already gone. Would it suit you to tell us something of your future plans? It is not that I want to be inquisitive, but that I should like to know with reference to your comfort, and our own, whether you think you will be back at Manor Cross next year. Of course we should be very sorry to be in your way, but we should not like to give up Cross Hall till we know that it will not be wanted again. I hope you are getting better. I could, of course, come up to town at a moment's notice if you wished to see me. Yours affectionately, George Germain. There was nothing in this letter which ought to have made any brother angry, but the answer which came to it certainly implied that the Marquis had received it with dudgeon. My dear George, the Marquis said, "I can give you no guarantee that I shall not want Manor Cross again, and you ought not to expect it." if you and the family go there of course i must have rent for cross hall i don't suppose i shall ever recover altogether from the injury that cursed brute did me yours b as to your coming family of course i can say nothing you won't expect me to be very full of joy nevertheless for the honour of the family i hope it is all right there was a brutality about this which for a time made the expectant father almost mad He tore the letter at once into fragments, so that he might be ready with an answer if asked to show it to his sisters. Lady Sarah had known of his writing, and did ask as to her brother's answer. "'Of course he told me nothing,' said Lord George. "'He is not like any other brother that ever lived.' "'May I see his letter?' "'I have destroyed it. It was not fit to be seen. He will not say whether he means to come back next year or not.' "'I would not stir if it were for me to determine,' said Lady Sarah. "'Nobody ever ought to live in another person's house as long as he has one of his own, and of all men certainly not at Brotherton's.' Nevertheless, the migration went on, and early in July the Marchioness was once more in possession of her own room at Manor Cross, and Mrs. Toff was once again in the Ascendant. "'But what was to be done about Mary?' had popenjoy been reported to enjoy robust health and had mary been as mary was a month or two since the marchioness and lady susanna would have been contented that the present separation should have been permanent they would at any rate have taken no steps to put an end to it which would not have implied abject submission on mary's part but now things were so altered if this popenjoy should die and if mary should have a son Mary's position would be the one which they could not afford to overlook. Though Mary should be living in absolute rebellion with that horrid dean, still her Popenjoy would in course of time be THE Popenjoy, and and nothing that any Germain could do would stand in her way. Her Popenjoy would be Popenjoy as soon as the present Marquis should die, and the family estates would all in due time be his. Her position had been becoming daily more honourable, as these rumours were received. Every one at Manor Cross, down to the boy in the kitchen, felt that her dignity had been immeasurably increased. Her child should now certainly be born at Manor Cross, though the deanery would have been quite good enough had the present Popenjoy been robust. Something must be done. The marchioness was clear that Mary should be taken into favour and made much of even hinted that she should not be asked to make shirts and petticoats, if only she could be separated from the pestilential dean. She spoke in private to her son, who declared that nothing would separate Mary from her father. "'I don't think I could entertain him after what he did to Brotherton,' said the marchioness, bursting into tears. There were great consultations at Manor Cross, in which the wisdom of Lady Sarah, and Lady Susanna, and sometimes the good offices of Lady Alice Holdenough were taxed to the utmost. Lady Sarah had, since the beginning of these latter troubles, been Mary's best friend, though neither Mary nor the Dean had known of her good services. She had pretty nearly understood the full horror of the accusation brought by the Marquis, and had in her heart acquitted the Dean. Though she was hard, she was very just she believed no worse evil of mary than that she had waltzed when her husband had wished her not to do so to lady sarah all waltzing was an abomination and disobedience to legitimate authority was abominable also but then mary had been taken to london and had been thrown into temptation and was very young lady sarah knew that her own life was colourless and was contented but she could understand that women differently situated should not like a colourless existence. She had seen Adelaide Houghton and her sister-in-law together, and had known that her brother's lot had fallen in much the better place, and to her any separation between those whom God had bound together was shocking and wicked. Lady Susanna was louder and less just. She did not believe that Mary had done anything to merit expulsion from the family, but she did think that her return to it should be accompanied by sackcloth and ashes. Mary had been pert to her, and she was not prone to forgive. Lady Alice had no opinion, could say nothing about it, but would be happy if, by her services, she could assuage matters. Does she ever talk of him? Lady Susanna asked. Not to me. I don't think she dares. BUT WHENEVER HE GOES THERE, SHE IS DELIGHTED TO SEE HIM. HE HAS NOT BEEN FOR THE LAST TEN DAYS, SAID LADY Sarah. I DON'T THINK HE WILL EVER GO AGAIN, UNLESS IT BE TO FETCH HER, SAID LADY SUSANNA. I DON'T SEE HOW HE CAN KEEP ON GOING THERE WHEN SHE WON'T DO AS HE BIDS HER. I NEVER HEARD OF SUCH A THING. WHY SHOULD SHE CHOOSE TO LIVE WITH HER FATHER WHEN SHE IS HIS WIFE? I CAN'T UNDERSTAND IT AT ALL. THERE HAS BEEN SOME PROVOCATION, SAID LADY Sarah what provocation i don't know of any just to please her fancy george had to take a house in london and live there against his own wishes it was natural that she should go to the deanery for a few days but when she was there no one went to see her why did she not come here first said lady susanna why did she take upon herself to say where she would go instead of leaving it to her husband of course it was the dean how can any man be expected to endure that his wife should be governed by her father instead of by himself i think george has been very forbearing you have hardly told the whole story said lady sarah nor do i wish to tell it things were said which never should have been spoken if you will have me alice i will go to brotherton for a day or two and then i will go and see her and so it was arranged no one in the house was told of the new plan Lady Susanna having with difficulty been brought to promise silence. Lady Sarah's visit was of course announced, and that alone created great surprise, as Lady Sarah very rarely left home. The marchioness had two or three floods of tears over it, and suggested that the carriage would be wanted for the entire day. This evil, however, was altogether escaped, as Lady Alice had a carriage of her own. "'I'm sure I don't know who is to look after Mrs. Green,' said the marchioness. Mrs. Green was an old woman of ninety, who was supported by Germaine Charity, and was visited almost daily by Lady Sarah. But Lady Amelia promised that she would undertake Mrs. Green. "'Of course, I'm nobody,' said the marchioness mrs toff and all who knew the family were sure that the Marchioness would in truth enjoy her temporary freedom from her elder daughter's control whatever might have been lord george's suspicion he said nothing about it it had not been by agreement with him that the ladies of the family had abstained from calling on his wife he had expressed himself in very angry terms as to the dean's misconduct in keeping her in brotherton and in his wrath had said more than once that he would never speak to the dean again. He had not asked any one to go there, but neither had he asked them not to do so. In certain of his moods he was indignant with his sisters for their treatment of his wife, and then again he would say to himself that it was impossible that they should go into the dean's house after what the dean had done. Now, when he heard that his eldest sister was going to the close, he said not a word. On the day of her arrival, Lady Sarah knocked at the deanery door alone. Up to this moment she had never put her foot in the house. Before the marriage she had known the dean but slightly, and the visiting to be done by the family very rarely fell to her share. The streets of Brotherton were almost strange to her, so little was she given to leave the sphere of her own duties. In the hall, at the door of his study, she met the dean. He was so surprised that he hardly knew how to greet her. "'I am come to call upon Mary,' said Lady Sarah, very brusquely. "'Better late than never,' said the dean, with a smile. "'I hope so,' said Lady Sarah, very solemnly. "'I hope that I am not doing that which ought not to be done. May I see her?' "'Of course you can see her. I dare say she will be delighted. Is your carriage here?' "'I am staying with my sister. Shall I go upstairs?' Mary was in the garden, and Lady Sarah was alone for a few minutes in the drawing-room. Of course she thought that this time was spent in conference by the father and daughter, but the dean did not even see his child. He was anxious enough himself that the quarrel should be brought to an end, if only that end could be reached by some steps to be taken first by the other side. Mary, as she entered the room, was almost frightened for Lady Sarah had certainly been the greatest of the bugbears when she was living at Manor Cross. "'I am come to congratulate you,' said Lady Sarah, putting her hand out straight before her. "'Better late than never. Mary did not say so, as her father had done, but only thought it. "'Thank you,' she said in a very low voice. "'Has any one else come?' "'No, no one else. I am with Alice, and as I have very, very much to say, I have come alone.' oh mary dear mary is not this sad mary was not at all disposed to yield or to acknowledge that the sadness was in any degree her fault but she remembered at the moment that lady sarah had never called her dear mary before don't you wish that you were back with george of course i do how could i wish anything else why don't you go back to him let him come here and fetch me and be friends with papa He promised that he would come and stay here. Is he well, Sarah?" "'Yes, he's well." "'Quite well. Give him my love, my best love. Tell him that in spite of everything I love him better than all the world." "'I am sure you do.' "'Yes, of course I do. I could be so happy now if he would come to me." "'You can go to him. I will take you if you wish it.' "'You don't understand,' said Mary. "'What don't I understand?' about papa will he not let you go to your husband i suppose he would let me go but if i were gone what would become of him lady sarah did not in truth understand this when he gave you to be married she said of course he knew that you must go away from him and live with your husband a father does not expect a married daughter to stay in his own house but he expects to be able to go to hers he does not expect to be quarrelled with by everybody if I were to go to Manor Cross, papa couldn't even come and see me.' "'I think he could. "'You don't know, papa, if you fancy who would go into any house in which he was not welcome. Of course I know that you have all quarrelled with him. You think because he beat the Marquis up in London that he oughtn't ever to be spoken to again. But I love him for what he did more dearly than ever. He did it for my sake. He was defending me and defending George.' I have done nothing wrong. If it is only for George's sake, I will never admit that I have deserved to be treated in this way. None of you have come to see me before, since I came back from London, and now George doesn't come." "'We should all have been kind to you, if you had come to us first. "'Yes, and then I should never have been allowed to be here at all. Let George come and stay here, if it is only for two days, and be kind to papa, and then I will go with him to Manor Cross.' lady sarah was much surprised by the courage and persistence of the young wife's plea the girl had become a woman and was altered even in appearance she certainly looked older but then she was certainly much more beautiful than before she was dressed not richly but with care and looked like a woman of high family Lady Sarah, who never changed either the colour or the material of her brown morning-gown, liked to look at her, telling herself that should it be ever this woman's fate to be Marchioness of Brotherton, she would not, in appearance, disgrace the position. "'I hope you can understand that we are very anxious about you,' she said. "'I don't know.' "'You might know, then. Your baby will be a Germain.' "'Ah, yes, for that.' you can't think i am happy without george i am longing all day long from morning to night that he will come back to me but after all that has happened i must do what papa advises if i were just to go to manor cross now and allow myself to be carried there alone you would all feel that i had been forgiven isn't that true you would be very welcome susanna would forgive me and your mother and I should be like a girl who has been punished, and who is expected to remember ever so long that she has been naughty. I won't be forgiven except by George, and he has nothing to forgive. You would all think me wicked if I were there, because I would not live in your ways.' "'We should not think you wicked, Mary.' "'Yes, you would. You thought me wicked before.' "'Don't you believe we love you, Mary?' She considered a moment before she made a reply but then made it very clearly. No, she said, I don't think you do. George loves me. Oh, I hope he loves me. You may be quite sure of that, and I love you. Yes, just as you love all people, because the Bible tells you. That is not enough. I will love you like a sister Mary, if you will come back to us. She liked being asked. She was longing to be once more with her husband. She desired, of all things, to be able to talk to him of her coming hopes. There was something in the tone of Lady Sarah's voice, different from the tones of old, which had its effect. She would promise to go if only some slightest concession could be made, which should imply that neither she nor her father had given just cause of offence. And she did feel—she was always feeling—that her husband ought to remember that she had never brought countercharges against him. She had told no one of Mrs. Houghton's letter. She was far too proud to give the slightest hint that she, too, had her grievance. But surely he should remember it. "'I should like to go,' she said. "'Then come back with me to-morrow. Lady Sarah had come only on this business, and if the business were completed there, there would be no legitimate reason for her prolonged sojourn at Brotherton.' "'Would George come here for one night?' Surely, Mary, you would not drive a bargain with your husband. But papa! Your father can only be anxious for your happiness. Therefore, I must be anxious for his. I can't say that I'll go without asking him. Then ask him to come in and see me at Alice's house this afternoon, and tell your father that I say you shall be received with all affection. Mary made no promise that she would do even this, as Lady Sarah took her leave. BUT SHE DID AT ONCE CONSULT HER FATHER. OF COURSE YOU CAN GO IF YOU LIKE IT, DEAREST. BUT YOU? NEVER MIND ME. I AM THINKING ONLY OF YOU. THEY WILL BE DIFFERENT TO YOU NOW THAT THEY THINK YOU WILL BE THE MOTHER OF THE HEIR. WOULD YOU TAKE ME AND STAY THERE FOR ONE NIGHT? I DON'T THINK I COULD DO THAT, DEAR. I DO NOT CONSIDER THAT I HAVE BEEN EXACTLY ASKED. BUT IF THEY WILL ASK YOU? I CANNOT ASK TO BE ASKED. To tell the truth, I am not at all anxious to be entertained at Manor Cross. They would always be thinking of that fireplace into which the Marquis fell. The difficulty was very great, and Mary could not see her way through it. She did not go to Dr. Holdenough's house that afternoon, but wrote a very short note to Lady Sarah, begging that George might come over and talk to her. End of chapter 46